This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. And I'm Luke. Hello, everybody. Hey, guys. Hey, good to be here. All right. I'm on the right time zone. Last time I was on Scott made me stay up until four o'clock in the morning and then, <laughs> and then i didn't even show up i know but now i'm on holiday in new york so it's uh, it's a, a very easy 10 o'clock in the morning oh fantastic shaking my head because you say you're on holiday your whole life is a holiday dude <laughs> it's not it's uh, not i gotta I, I travel for work so when i'm on holiday now and i don't want to be at home i'm just staying in one city for a long time rather than doing any traveling or moving or so now when you throw uh, objects into the immediate space above your head and then catch them that's not that's not work that's just fun right yes i i'm i'm here i'm not doing any performing i'm not doing any shows i'm not doing anything except hanging out and enjoying myself and it's going to be awesome it already is good i've only been here two nights oh fantastic cool. well excellent all right well what we've got today is a whole bunch of recent arrivals yes um should i kick it off with Canada. what i've got on my end sure sure all right what came in is uh brandon sanderson's new uh opus it's called uh, The Way of Kings, Part 1 of the Stormlight Archive. Um, oh, yeah, I've been reading about that. Quick synopsis or, uh, on the back here. It has been centuries since the fall of the 10,000 consecrated orders known as the Knights Radiant, but their shard blades and shard plate remain, mystical swords and suits of armor that transform ordinary men into near-invincible warriors. Men trade kingdoms for shard blades. Wars are fought for them. And uh, so that's all I'll read of that. It's uh, 36 CDs long. Oh, my God. Yeah. What the hell? 45 and a half hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. No way. <laughs> it's a whole trilogy yeah. built into one book. That's right. And, now, um, I, know that, I know that this guy, he, he does these big series. I mean, he's into these big series because he's finishing off the, uh, the Wheel of Time, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he sure is. Um, and this is... This is uh, He's kind of billing this as, uh, you know, his his uh, wheel of time. I, you know, he doesn't use those exact words, but this is his epic fantasy series. So it's going to be several. Um, I have no idea how many. I've not read any of his series before. I read two standalone novels. Of, oh, no, but one and a half. One of them I really enjoyed, and the other one I couldn't finish. But uh, mm. uh, that's yeah. chunky. I'm not sure. I mean, it's it sound, it intrigues me. I like the idea because I've read a bit about it. Um, you know, about the sort of world that it's set on, and you know, it's almost a science fictional kind of world with you know these different storms and the. It's like the entire world is reimagined from like the ground up rather than hmm. just a normal medieval land with magic on top of it. So, oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. It seems interesting, but there's no way I'm going to commit to. 45 hours or whatever it was of oh. listening or yeah. a thousand pages of reading and then it's then it's only the first book in the series i'm not i just don't think i'm going to do that yeah and i noticed uh someone on goodreads was reading it and um the page count was over a thousand wow yeah yeah it's a, a big book and with small well, maybe maybe i'll read the first maybe i'll read the first one and then and then once it's completed, read the whole thing. But it's probably going to be in 10 years' time or 15 years' time or something, considering, you know, these other big, long epics that these other authors don't complete. Yeah, yeah. 
or take their time in completing. <laughs> yeah, no, there was one actually. A, a, a guy in Berlin was saying, oh, it's just come out, it's just come out, book 12, and it's the last one in this series. I can't remember the name of the author, what the series was, but it's like one of these 12 book series which has actually just been completed and everyone's oh. amazed about it. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, Steven Erickson's. That was highly yeah, that was it. It was Steven. They, yeah, it was highly recommended to me uh, one time in a bookstore, but I never did follow through and read it. Yeah, it's been highly recommended to me a few times, but 12 books? Mm, yeah. Not so... A bunch. Well, what do you have over there, Jesse? Oh, well, uh, I got a big stack, and this is going to be a change, because normally I don't... I, I ask you questions about what, what you, you're holding in your hands, and <laughs> here I'm holding a big stack of stuff. All right. So, uh, let's go through them, I guess, by publisher. Is that is sure. that normally how you do it? Uh, I kind of do it randomly. Oh, random. Okay. <laughs> Terrible. I'm going to do it alphabetic. No. <laughs> <laughs> could, you go by, with... could you go by ISBN number? Oh my god, no. Alright. Uh, you know what? That is my publisher then. I can do that. Big. Yeah, that works out. Alright, so uh, I'm holding a black, this is a stack of blackstone here. Pat Murphy, a new novel called The Shadow Hunter. And it says On a moonlit night 30,000 years ago, a young Neanderthal boy dreamed of a dreamed a true dream. In his dream, the spirit of the cave bear commanded the boy to follow her. Transported to a distant future beyond our own, he entered a strange world of brilliant and terrifying possibilities. A world inhabited by people who did not know the nature of spirits, or even understand the spirits of their own technology. Guided only by memories, the young Neanderthal must recreate the shaman's path. He must reconcile the powerful and capricious spirit of the cave bear with the realities of life in the new world, and find a way to save his people, the animals, and their sacred relationship. The clash of prehistoric shamanic, shamanistic... Oh no! Shamanic traditions with future technology makes for a gripping tale in this first novel uh, by Nebula Award-winning author. First novel, really? Maybe, yeah. Maybe they went back and got her first one. Yeah, Who's, it um, is 1982. Pat Murphy. Pat Murphy. Yeah, 1982 yeah. is is the copyright original date, and uh, this is a brand new audiobook of a very old book. Cool. Huh. Seven CDs, read by Paul Michael Garcia, and looks like some original art on the cover with a little cave dude coming out of a cave. <laughs> That's to, interesting. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, well, the ugly little boy. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, mm-hmm. That was expanded into a novel, too, by Silverberg, I think. Um, so you can buy a novel-length one, but I never read that one, but I, I'm pretty sure I read the short story. Have you read that, uh, Luke, the ugly little boy? Nope. Oh, yeah. good. Famous uh, Asimov short story. And then, um, I don't know, the well, other, only other Neanderthal I that I can recall is, uh, Neanderthal that leaps to mind is uh, Robert J. Sawyer's. Yeah. In, well, this uh, predates predates uh, the Sawyer stuff, but um, mm-hmm. I guess... That's actually of... the book where I discovered this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, because it Hominids? was you mentioned my review of Robert J. Sawyer's Neanderthal book. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you, you have copious show notes, and of course, my name popped up, or the science fiction book review podcast popped up. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned, I sent an email back to you, I think it was, and saying, hey. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And that was the, that was the first connection. <laughs> Amazing. All right, All right, what else you got? I got an urban fantasy alert. I've got... Uh, what clearly looks to me like urban fantasy novels, two of them, at least. So I'll start with those, just just so everybody's aware. These are urban fantasy, okay? 
I, I'm not sure what that means, but they're urban <laughs> fantasy. I think it means I, I think it means very young, beautiful looking people in the city uh, who are vampires. But I could be wrong. All right. Oh, so, werewolves now. Yep, werewolves are cool too. City of Ghosts by Stacia Kane, uh, read by Bonnie Turpin. Uh, that's a new narrator to me. Uh, it's book three in a series called the Chess Putnam series. And here's the stuff on the back. Chess Putnam has a lot on her plate. Mangled human corpses have started to show up on the streets of Downside. And Chess's bosses uh, at the Church of Real Truth have ordered her team with an ultra-powerful Black Squad agency to crack the grisly case. Chess is under the, uh, blind, a binding spell that threatens death if she talks about the investigation. But the city's most notorious crime boss and Chess, Chess's drug dealer get wind of... I'm not even. I'm trying to figure out what that means. Get wind of the new assignment and insist on being kept informed. If that isn't bad enough, a sinister street vendor appears to have information Chess needs. Only he's not telling what he knows or what has. It all has to do with the vast underground city of eternity. Now Chess will have to navigate killer wraiths, first elders, and a lot of seriously nasty magic. And the only man Chess can trust to help her through it has every reason to want her dead. So, sounds like we're getting some of the backstory. The she's under a binding spell. She's got a drug dealer, uh, and it's a city called Downside. So this is uh, a fantasy city. I thought they were always. I thought they were always. Uh, you know, it was always Seattle or something that was like just full of vampires. Hmm. Well, you got me. I'm no expert on those. Me neither. Yeah. But uh, sounds sounds like there's some stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Second I really, I really, really liked Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but <laughs> that's that's where it ended. I haven't read any of this stuff. Well, I did read Twilight. That was more suburban fan, uh, yeah. fantasy. I read uh, the first eleven Ds on that one, so at least that's uh, not anywhere in competition with uh, forty-five CDs. <laughs> no, it's and, thirty-five. Uh, Five hours. Was it 35? Okay, sorry. 45 hours, was it? Yeah, it was 45 hours long. 45 and a half hours, 36 CDs. Okay, well, this one uh, is only 10, uh, 10 hours, 8 CDs. Uh, another urban fantasy, pretty sure. It says, um, First Drop of Crimson. Uh, and it's in a series called The Night Huntress World. Uh, Did you guys ever find someone to do your reviews of this urban fantasy reviews? Because no. you were looking for someone <laughs> no, to do more. No, actually, that no. was paranormal romance. Urban yeah. fantasy. Oh, that, I would still call those late. paranormal romance, wouldn't you? I don't know. So I, I'm not sure. What's the difference think, between paranormal romance and urban fantasy? I think the <coughs> urban fantasy is more. Uh, it's it's the same audience except uh, less romancy. Uh, okay, a bit more, a bit more dark, a bit more. Yeah, more yeah. running around at nightclubs and stabbing people. I, I, no, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're Let's so not the the target audience for this kind. Yeah, let's let's find out. Oh, there's a review for, or a quote from the uh, Romantic Times on the back here. It says, book by book, Frost builds her reputation as an author who delivers only the best. Uh, it doesn't tell you much about what's going on in it. <laughs> First Prop of Crimson is a passionate and tantalizing tale filled with dark sensuality and fast-paced action. The lead couple is irresistible, a gutsy heroine to cheer for and a smoldering hero to die for. Now that's, An unforgettable that's, story. that's paranormal romance right there. Yeah, that's from the New York Times. Oh, no. Uh. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. That's Cresley Cole, who's a New York Times bestselling author. Okay, and here's the, uh, the description. Twilight. Twilight is paranormal romance, I'd call it. Yeah, I, 
I guess so. It's sort of its own thing as well, I guess. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's a romance novel. Uh, the night is not safe for mortals. Denise McGregor knows all too well what lurks in the shadows. Her best friend is half vampire Cat Crawfield, and she has already lost more than her average, more than an average human could bear. But her family's past is wrapped in secrets and shrouded in darkness. And a demon shapeshifter has marked Denise's prey. Now her survival depends on an immortal who lusts for, for a taste of her. He is Spade, a powerful... Uh, Spade is his name. Uh, he is Spade, a powerful, mysterious vampire who has walked the earth for centuries and is now duty-bound to protect this endangered, alluring human, even if it means destroying his own kind. Denise may arouse his deepest hungers, but Spade knows he must fight his urge to have her as they face the nightmare together, because... Once the first drop of crimson falls, they will be lost. <laughs> Thanks for that goes on and on and on. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying the definition of spade as well. Yes, I, I, I just, I was just thinking. Can it a was guy capitalized. Be I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you bet. Uh, spade. Okay. Now this one looks a little bit different. Uh, it could very well be in the same genre, but. Uh, for some reason, just looking at it, not having read anything about it yet, it looks a little bit different. So I'm going to uh, give it the benefit of the doubt. Might not be urban fantasy. Uh, there's a quote on the front that says, Alden Bell provides an astonishing twist on the Southern Gothic, like Flannery O'Connor with zombies. And wow, I've not Flannery O'Connor with zombies. But I, I guess zombies are, aren't urban fantasy, are they? Well, they could be. It, it just depends on... You know, I, I don't. I, I don't think there's any romance <laughs> with zombies. Well, you would you would hope not, but no, that would be paranormal romance. The yeah. paranormal romance with zombies would be a bit weird. But I, I guess urban would... fantasy is a subset of paranormal. Yeah, romance. paranormal <laughs> romance uh, plot in a zombie novel. You'd have someone who's uh, like half zombie, who is oh. also very sexy. <laughs> who, uh, yeah. And then there's a, there's a full zombie, and they have like inappropriate feelings towards exactly. them. And then there'll be a normal person, Got and then the there'll be some like, love triangle between a half zombie, a full zombie, and a and a full yeah. human. Now we're talking. You know half, what? This might, this might be workable. Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this this novel is called The Reapers Are the Angels, uh, and it's by Eldon Bell, read by Ty Simmons, uh, T A I. I, I mm-hmm. that's a female. Um and of course every one of these books will have a female narrator. There won't be any oh, male narrators for any kind. Right. Janine Frost. I think I'm just I'm just as a guess. Be away. <laughs> so that if it's a female narrator, right? Okay, mm. it could be. That might make sense. <laughs> Bonnie Turpin. I, you know, I this week this week I saw um, a trailer for a new zombie television series it's going to be on uh, A&E Network in the United the States. The Walking Dead, is that yeah, it? Yeah, The Walking Dead. The I've trailer got, I've looks got, very promising. I've got the comic book, haven't read it yet. Uh, but It's, it's a nice. comic book? Yeah. Oh. Long-running, very popular comic book. So it's good? The, the well, material's good anyway? I have not read it, but I, I'm looking forward to it because I've heard nothing but good things about it. Well, good. Yeah. That's something that, you know, is Never been done before a zombie TV series. I don't think there's zombies in this one. Let's uh, well, maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. Um, there's a BBC says, TV show called I think it's called More Than Human or something like that, and it's about a vampire, a ghost, and a werewolf all living like that in the housemate. Oh, no, um, it's that. not zombie though. But it is a TV show 
about that. I, I've not seen it, but I just heard about it. It sounded quite interesting. Yeah. You know, you think, you think in this climate, you remember uh, Dark Shadows was a soap opera? I don't know if you guys are familiar with it in the United States. A soap opera mm-hmm. is a show that's on an hour a day every weekday. They get soap operas in the UK. Yeah, so I'm surprised that they haven't resurrected that one. Resurrected. <laughs> I saw I saw some pictures, uh, not pictures, some posters up for Hawaii Five O starting September yeah. or something. Oh, wow. And I'm like, really? Hawaii they just dust off everything with V coming back and all these other things. But I mean, I don't watch TV, so it just passes me by. I mean, it doesn't it affect me in any way at all. Uh, yeah. Yep. Let me read the back of this book, guys. All right, go ahead. Oh, we have to. <laughs> Now, this one might be good. Okay, uh, okay. 25 which, years. Which one is this again? This is called The Reapers Are the Angels. That's the one that's okay. Flannery O'Connor with Zombies description. Uh, for 25 years, civilization has survived in meager enclaves, guarded against the plague of dead. Uh, the dead. Temple wanders the blighted landscape, keeping to herself and keeping her demons inside her heart. She can't remember a time before the zombies, but she does remember an old man who took her in and the younger brother she cared for until the tragedy that set off her personal journey towards redemption. Moving back and forth between the insulted remnants of society and the brutal frontier beyond, Temple must decide where ultimately to make a home and find the salvation she seeks. Hmm. So this is southern, southern, what is Southern, southern Gothic. post-apocalyptic That's, urban fantasy. Okay. <laughs> it can't be urban if it's southern. That, it means countryside, right? It means like I don't know plantation or something. Hmm. I think that's what southern means. It's it's all plantation fantasy. Okay, I think (laughs) (laughs) interesting. Um, So uh, that's I think that's the end of the urban fantasy even ish stuff. Cool. At least from Blackstone. I've I've got a Charlie Huston novel. Or is Huston? Yeah, not Houston. It's Huston, right? You heard of this guy? uh, Yeah, I have heard of him. Okay. Him or her, actually. I don't even know if it's a male or female. Yeah, that's a good point. I would guess a guy. Uh, but you're right. It could be a, a girl. Um, Half-Blood of Brooklyn. Um, it's read by Scott Brick. And there's a quote from Stephen King on the cover saying, One of the most remarkable prose stylists to emerge from the noir tradition in this century. So I think we're getting away... Charlie Houston is male. I just looked it up. Um, we're getting away from uh, urban fantasy, and yet... It's got a vampire in Brooklyn, so, or at least a half vampire. So huh. maybe maybe this okay. is urban fantasy, but uh, noir. Let's see, eight and a half hours, seven CDs. There's only so much room on the island, only so much blood, and Manhattan's vampire clans aren't interested in sharing. So when virus-infected dregs of New York outer boroughs start creeping across the bridges, the clans want to know why. Bad luck for P.I. Joe Pitt. Joe is used to used to be a rogue, worked off his own dime, picked up his own gigs, but tight times and a terminally ill girlfriend pushed him into a renegade society clan. Now he has all the cash blood, and blood he needs, but, a, but at a steep price. The price tonight is crossing the bridge, finding a freak clan, and figuring out what's driving the savages to scratch at the society's door. No need to look far. The answer lies around the corner in Gravesend. From uptown to the boardwalk, war drums are beating, murders, family feuds, and personal grudges are being drawn and brandished along with the not long lives. Now, this sounds to me exactly like an urban fantasy, except from a guy's point of view. Hmm. Rather than... Well, maybe, 
girl. Maybe they, yeah. uh, there's other there's urban fantasies from guys' point of views. I think that you can do that, can't you? I guess so, but uh, I, I don't I like. I didn't think about it, but I think this is exactly the same genre, exactly the same setup, but because the focus is different, it doesn't seem like urban fantasy. And but the thing is, it's got a quote from Stephen King. Now, if it was a, sto- a quote from Stephanie Meyer, it would definitely be urban fantasy. But because it's from <laughs> Stephen King, you're like, uh, okay, maybe it's just a horror fantasy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm, it doesn't say if it's in part of a series, so I'm guessing it isn't. No, or it, it, it is. It um, there was a anyway. Yeah, the Joe Pitt case books is what I'm looking at here. Okay. Um, already dead. No Dominion, Half the Blood of Brooklyn, Every Last Drop, and My Dead Body are the books in the series. Okay, so we're right in the middle there. Now this one uh, should draw some attention. Uh, Not urban fantasy, not science fiction, uh, exactly, Um, but it's very interesting. Uh, On Stranger Tides by Tim Powers. Hey, all right. You were talking about this book before it was uh, an audiobook. Yeah, yeah, I got the like uh, I got print. the hardcover from uh, Subterranean Press, and the reason it kind of came up all of a sudden is because Disney bought the rights to it um, to make. Uh, they're going to use material from it to make uh, Pirates Four. Uh, Pirates. Of oh the- yeah, I heard about that. I think maybe I heard about it on this podcast though. Yeah, yeah. it's got a great cover. It's got a couple of pirates uh, look like they're digging for. Buried treasure. Yeah. Very nice cover art on this. And it's read by Bronson Pinchot, who I believe is an awesome narrator. He is. He's really good. Um, first published in 88, it says, this book. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's long. Yeah, I think what I heard, no, it probably wasn't on this podcast, but what I heard is that he was like, Tim Powers was like, hey, wait a second, this whole Pirates of the Caribbean thing, that's my book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you, of course, it's one of those things that you go. Oh, but then they're like, "Oh, we'll just pay you this money." And, uh, <laughs> well, and they probably need it. I, I hear the last two versions weren't that great. Uh, well, it's not that were... great. They make they make huge amounts of money, so it doesn't really matter. You know? yeah. Well, you know, it's better to not have all that money bleed out if if, if you can make a better movie. Right? Yeah, I mean, not that that's their main focus, but. Uh, no, it's not. It's to make a ma- it's to make a movie which makes a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so let me read the back of this thing. It says, uh, "On Stranger Tides follows the exploits of John Shadenack, who travels the world to the New World after the death of his puppeteer father to confront his uncle, who has apparently made off with the family fortune. During the voyage, he befriends Beth Herwood and her father, Benjamin Herwood, an Oxford professor. Before they arrive at their destination, their ship is waylaid by Blackbeard and his band of pirates." With the help of the professor and his assistant, the captain is killed and Shadanak is pressed into piracy and sorcery as Blackbeard searches for the Fountain of Youth. Shadanak is newly dubbed Jack Shandy. Uh, must stop the evil plot to save Beth Herwood. Oh, stop the evil plot and save Beth Herwood, not to save Beth Herwood. Um, so that doesn't really tell you much more than the premise, but uh, have you read this, Scott? Yeah, um, it, it's, it's a good book. It, I... I th- I would imagine that if they're going to film this, if they're going to do more than just take ideas, if they're going to take the plot, I would assume that we're looking at a prequel, um, maybe how uh, Captain Jack got to be that way. Okay. You know, maybe assuming he was assuming he was fairly normal to begin with. You know, 
Um, but there's there's magic in it. There's uh, yeah, there's magic in it, and um, you know, voodoo stuff, and um, it's really a fun book. I really liked it. Nice. Yeah, I can't. You know, that there's not a heck of a lot to say about it other than what's been said. You know, the it's, it's there? yeah, it's it's a pirate's novel. <laughs> you know, so there's lots of action and magic, and um, and the magic is all Caribbean style stuff and. Voodoo, voodoo stuff. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Do that, yeah. that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's switch to a new publisher, Brilliance. Um, they're sending a two style of cases. Some are paper and some are plastic. This is a big paper kind. Um, yeah, I think I think when the books get long enough, they switch to that plastic. I, I'm not sure which I like better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think paper is probably. Less durable, but the plastic gets chewed up pretty fast, and I'm not sure it's better. Yeah. Maybe they're not sure either. This is uh, uh, Terry Brooks, Legends of Shannara, Bearers of the Black Staff. This is definitely fantasy of some kind or other, mm-hmm. and it's read by, uh, performed by Philip Giganti. Uh, big description on the back here, so maybe I'll just do a... First here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, small font, big description. Um, no, I was making a joke on the Gigantine name. <laughs> yeah, I don't seem to get any of that stuff. Um, yesterday I sent you a, a scan of this uh, Theodore Sturgeon. Yeah, cover, and, caviar. And I was like, ha ha ha, what a yeah, pun. I didn't even get it. I, like, I, I'm just looking at the. You know that caviar stuff. comes from Sturgeon. Well, so. I, I, knew, I know that, but I'd never thought about it, right? Uh, Whereas I don't think Scott mentioned that either. No, I didn't mention it either. It didn't occur to me. I didn't know yeah. that caviar came from sturgeon. Well, it can. I knew yeah. it came from fish, but I just I didn't know. Uh, good caviar comes from uh, sturgeon, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the important part was uh, to me was just the the cover art was uh, it was it was cool cover art because it it was both the story that is my favorite of Ted Sturgeon's and it's also it's also showing a guy who looks like Ted Sturgeon as the as the main character. Um, and yet the book is not named after that story. It's named after another story in it called Caviar. Um, but yeah, there, there's a pun at the top. It says, uh, Theodore Sturgeon, assorted SF delicacies. And then the book's called Caviar. And you know, Well, that's why delicacies, Sturgeon, yeah, yeah. Caviar. That's- I, I, get, I get it now that you <laughs> pointed it out to me. I just didn't think, I, like, I, I got the delicacies in Caviar, but I didn't think Sturgeon, oh yeah, Sturgeon Caviar. So, um, yeah, you seem to get these uh, puns. Uh, uh, your you make them a bit too much as well. Maybe, hmm. maybe, I'm not sure. Um, okay, so I'm going to read the, a couple of bits of this here. The evolution of one of the Im- one of imaginative fiction's most beloved world continues in the first book of the Legends of Shannara series. Now, I believe the Legends of Shannara is a follow-up to the uh, another Shannara. So, mm-hmm. um, I think what actually happens is they're all set in the same world, all covering the same period of time, mm-hmm. but they're different stories with different characters. All yeah, complete the, stories. Uh, Terry, Terry Brooks has actually done something kind of interesting because um, when I was a teenager, I read The Sword of Shannara, The Elfstones of Shannara, and The Wish Song of Shannara, which mm-hmm. are very Tolkien-like fantasy. Right. You know, there's dwarves and there's elves and there's magic and we got, in fact, the Sword of Shannara is so much like Lord of the Rings that people complain about it. 
Right. So then um, I hadn't read anything since then, and he started to write these novels. And then I reviewed one, an abridged version of one for Audiophile magazine um, mm-hmm. a few years ago. And there were things like airships in it, and mm. um, it, it was like this world way down the line, you know. So it was it was significantly different that it was, you know, wow, this is kind of interesting what's going on here. And there was science going on, you know, the the science of the world was being explored and, and everything. And it seemed like he had two series going on, and he was trying to connect them somehow. And I don't remember what the other series is, but it, it had something like to do with... Like Empire, Asimov did. Yeah, kind of like what Asimov did, but with fantasy. Mm. Um, so the, I, I'm pretty sure his other series, I think it was called Night of the Word or something was the first one. And mm-hmm. not having read that, what I gathered from the research I did was that this was a fantasy that took place in, in our world in kind of modern times. And somehow Shinara, this world, was being connected with the Earth, you know, in, in our modern times. So I think the legend of Shinara, the one that you've got, goes back in time or something. Um, okay, well, let I me read, he's, read he's got this like here three and of those we'll coming out, yeah. It says, uh, 500 years have passed since the devastating demon-led war that tore apart the United States, leaving nothing but scorched and poisonous ruins and nearly exterminating humankind. Those who escaped the carnage and blight were led to sanctuary by a boy savior known as the Hawk, the Gypsy Morph. In an idyllic valley, its borders warded by powerful magic against the horrors beyond, humans, elves, and mutants alike find a place they believed would be their home forever. But after five centuries, the unimaginable has come to pass. The cocoon of protective magic surrounding the valley has vanished. Um, And then it goes on and on and on. It sounds sounds like I'm wrong that it went back into the past, but you can see... Well, it's 500 years in the future. Yeah, it's 500 years from when it's a demon war, uh, and that, I think, was that other series. So he's kind of merged them. It's got a good cover. There's a dude with a big staff that looks like it's got... Sparkly's coming off of it, and he's looking over a valley full of uh, war war dudes. Mm-hmm. Well, it, war it interests me. I don't. I don't know that I'll, I don't know that I'll read them, but it interests me that it's so atypical, you know, from the other series, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, but he's got a lot of books in that series too. They aren't huge books. Each one's you know sure. about three hundred pages long, but there's a lot of them. Uh, I've got three more brilliance. Um, now, this one, I do believe, has been released at least once before as an audiobook, maybe twice before. Um, and that's kind of interesting, because that's not usually the case with sort of books you, you know, you haven't read. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's time. Um, Elizabeth Moon, The Speed of Dark, uh, read by Jay Snyder. And um, it's winner of the Nebula Award for Best Novel, so... I think that might be part of the reason it's been republished a couple of times. Um, Very short description on the back. Um, This is 12 CDs and 14 hours. Uh, Thoughtful, poignant, and unforgettable, The Speed of Dark is a gripping exploration of the world of Lou Arendale, an autistic man who is offered a chance to try an experimental cure for his condition. Now Lou must decide if he should submit to surgery that may change the world the way he views the world and the very essence of who he is. So this sounds like traditional science fiction to me. Yeah, it does. And that book was reviewed for us by uh, Mary Robinette Cole. Uh-huh. Uh, the, it was read by Grover Gardner from Books on Tape. Right. Who's, who That's reads this one? 
this is read by Jay Snyder. Okay. Uh, so different reading, but I, I do believe they were both pub, uh, published on a bridge. So mm-hmm. um, this is just a book that I guess keeps getting republished because it's got it's got a cachet. You know, like the the few that have you know everybody publishes are Ringworld and Starship Troopers and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, this one's one of those. Yeah. Maybe well, it's that's good. Yeah, time for me to revisit. Yeah, or Luke check it out. I might see if I get that. Okay. Uh, how many CDs was it? Twelve. Yeah, that's not too long compared nope. to thirty-five. Right. right. I'm just gonna pour some coffee. Hey guys, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the idea? Right. Check this out. So, can you hear me? Yep. Mm-hmm. Skype is. Break. Hello. Yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, yeah. You're a little bit delayed like there. there. So here's an idea. Okay. Oh, how about a power, paranormal romance set in like caveman times, Neanderthals around, <laughs> and the Neanderthals actually get a virus which turns them either zombie or um, or some kind of vampire or maybe werewolfy kind of thing like that, and that's the reason why Neanderthals are now. now extinct we didn't kill them we killed them out because they were hunting us as this new werewolf and everybody that you found all of the of the like the werewolf slash vampire slash zombie bodies they all had to be burnt they all had to be cremated so there's no evidence left now of these burnt and cremated uh neanderthal bodies that we wiped out so how about that guy that's Guys, brilliant do you think brilliant. that would work i think it would work uh... It needs but more urban. We need, uh, I'm not sure where the I'm not sure where the romance comes in. Be sure to throw the romance in there. It's a romance between uh, the Neanderthal and the and the hunter who's hunting. Well, maybe say like urban fantasy, but not urban fantasy. Sort of like cave fantasy. Yeah, like cave. Is, is that cave? So no, I no, I think just, I think this idea has got a lot of legs. Okay, I've got two more brilliance. Okay, um, one is Neil Stevenson. Uh, Quicksilver, oh, volume yeah. one of the Baroque cycle, right. and this is performed by Simon Preble. Yeah, and it's real interesting what they've done with that series too. Um, that that series is three novels, three of they're three huge novels, and what they've done is breaking bro- breaking breaking. <laughs> they have broken them into uh, decent sized pieces, and have released uh, I think it's six audiobooks. Um, yeah, this and is each one is Beacon. kind of Neil Stevenson was involved, and I I believe that he's got an introduction for each one of the six. Um, so Quicksilver is actually um, a novel you can buy that's you know probably well I've I've got it here, but it's a pretty big book, and um, they split it in half and released it on two different audiobooks. Hmm. Yeah. So doesn't say it doesn't say it's half. It, it just no, says no. No, it says. Yeah, Quicksilver, and then uh, there's a... It's interesting, it doesn't mention that on the front, but it's not the entire novel. That's like the first half of the first book. Well, that's kind of cheap, isn't it? Well, they they released it into... Yeah, well... (laughs) I mean, they're releasing it, but... Also, I think there's two credits then as well, isn't it, on on audio? Yeah, it would be. It would be two credits on Audible, yeah. And Audible's the one that that did it, so... This is that, that, you know, breaking... Uh, the audible thing is, is is another you know how I say paperbacks are written to the length of the of the shopping mart the uh-huh. shopping mall uh, book rack. Well, right. that is um, one thing, but now audiobooks are being shaped to the length of 
uh, an audible credit. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. And which is fine in this case because I guess you're not losing anything, right? Mm-hmm. But in future people will, you know, will have in the back of their mind, well, if I just write it a little bit longer, it'll be worthy of one credit on Audible versus if I write it double length, I'll still only be getting one credit or, you know, possibly not getting as much sales because it's two credits. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does shape the price and all that stuff does shape the market. Yeah. I'm just, so, I'm just looking it up here. There's actually seven. Seven. One, two, three, yeah. four, five, six, seven. Um, Quicksilver, <clears throat> yeah, and they've, they've just called it the Baroque Cycle. And Quicksilver is book one of the Baroque Cycle, and it's uh, 14 hours long, 15 actually. And then book two is called King of the Vagabonds. But there is no book called King of the Vagabonds in, um, ah. in print. And well, then, I guess that's it's leg, it's legitimate as long as you're not losing anything, right? Mm-hmm, right, and that's exactly what they've done here. And then um, Neil well, Stevenson... such a massive project like that, to have it unabridged, you sometimes need to go, okay, yeah. like mm-hmm. three... Yeah, it's a, a reasonable book. Hours, it's going to be too much, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. a reasonable length book now. I mean, it, it, I, I guess this is better than a one thirty-five hour audiobook that's going to, you know, I mean, it'd be even hard to purchase that in store. You go into the store and it's it's $60 or something, whereas this is only 30 mm-hmm. um, You can sort of say, well, I can justify that. But if you buy a $60 audiobook and you don't like it, you're going to be mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. The titles are interesting, too. Uh, Quicksilver is book one. King of the Vagabonds is book two. Odalesque, o- O-D-A-L-I-S-Q-U-E is book three. Odal- Odalesque. And then The Confusion, which is actually the title of book two is book four. Oh, it hmm. says The Confusion, books four and five. Oh, that's interesting. The Confusion, <laughs> books four and five, is 30, it's getting confusing. 34 hours long, so that must be the whole second book. And then Solomon's Gold is book six, Currency is book seven, and The System of the World is book eight. And uh, The System of the World is the name of the uh, print version of the last it one. Came, it came to uh, CD as well very quickly. I, I think they... They just did announced that Baroque cycle like a couple weeks ago, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me read the back of this. It says, uh, Quicksilver is the story of Daniel Waterhouse, fearless thinker and conflicted Puritan, pursuing knowledge in a company of the greatest minds of the Baroque-era Europe. In a chaotic world where reason wars with the bloody ambitions of the mighty and where catastrophe, natural and otherwise, can alter the principal landscape overnight. Oh, didn't read that properly. Mm-hmm. It is a chronicle of the breathtaking exploits of hack, half-cocked Jack Shafto, a London street urchin turned swashbuckling adventurer and legendary king of the vagabonds, risking life and limb for fortune and love while slowly maddening from the pox. Sounds a little bit like um, that audiobook that uh, Luke and I read um, that is eluding me, uh, The Lies of Locke Lamora. Mm. I didn't read that as an audiobook, I just read it. Oh, did you? Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, and it is the tale of Eliza, rescued by Jack from a Turkish harem to become a spy, confidant, and pawn of royals in order to reinvent Europe through the newborn power of finance. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. A glorious, rich, entertaining, endlessly inventive novel that brings a remarkable age and its uh, brings a remarkable age and its momentous events to vivid life. Quicksilver is an entertaining achievement from one of the most or- original and important literary talents of our time, and it's just the beginning. Hmm. I think it's not specifically science fiction, is it? Because people no. said when 
when he wrote Anathem, it's like, okay, now he's gone back to science fiction again. So mm. he d- I know he wrote... It's historical, historical fiction-y sort of stuff. About technology, about science, about society, but actually, you know, just... Don't let like, the labels hurt you. Don't yeah. let the labels hurt you. Write what you want to write, and maybe it'll, it'll be interesting. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. I think cave, cave uh, romance is... <laughs> Cave romance. Cave romance. It's an old. It's an old genre. I worked it out. I'm going to tell it from the point of view that of the of the girl who is in love with one of the with one of the vampire or werewolf um, Neanderthals, (laughs) and everyone else is killing them all, and her um, her boyfriend or that's the guy that they they she's like taking him away, and she's trying to hide him from everyone, and he's the last. Then it'll get down that everyone else wipe, they wipe out everyone, all the other Neanderthals, and he's the last one to go. I think one of the things you you will need to work on is the naming, because I believe all characters in paranormal romances must have uh, sort of cool names like Spade and you know. Uh, no, no, I'll work it out. I'll work it out. And it, it ends in Gibraltar like, because not like Gibraltar. one guy rock. You know, that's uh, why like, that yeah. it ends in Gibraltar. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. And there'll be others, but it'll end in Gibraltar. I think on the Rock of Gibraltar is actually where it will end because that's where they found the fi- the last known remains of of the thing. So the I think final that'll, stand. Be, that'll be the final stand, and the final stand will continue for generations, and people will forget them, and then you know then they'll come back, and then they'll be attacked again. But that'll that'll be like sequels, oh. and it'll all take place on the Rock with the descendants of the human. And oh no, no, there can't really be a hybrid. Oh no, there can be, can't there? Because there was all this latest scientific findings that found that all Europeans have got some Neanderthals in them. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it maybe it'll work out. That can that can be the basis. Anyway, sorry to <laughs> Interesting. workshop. All right. <clears throat> I love it. Short I've story. got uh, I've got some penguin. Penguin audio. Penguin, yes. Uh short one here. Three CDs. That's mm-hmm. almost my favorite length. I think mm-hmm. four CDs, five CDs is my favorite length. Um and it's called Zorgamazoo by Robert Paul Weston, read by Alan Cumming. Hmm. Um, a description here on the cover from, uh, or a quote, I guess, from Booklist says, A natural descendant of the works of Dr. Seuss and Roald Dahl, while hewing close to the droll at- atmospherics of Edward Gorey and Lemony Snicket. And it's won a couple of uh, awards, um, the Silver Birch Award and the White E.B. White Read Aloud uh, Honor. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not familiar with either um, of them, but I bet uh, Alan Cumming is a good reader too. That'd be I bet he is. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I've seen I've seen him um, on YouTube recording something, and it looked pretty good. Cool. Yeah, um, I know him best probably from the uh, Spy Kids uh, movie, which I've seen a few times. Um, trying to see if this is abridged, um, but I don't see that. It doesn't. Oh, it says unabridged. Okay, they all have been on a bridge so far, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it says on the back here, Here is a story that's stranger than strange. Before we begin, you may want to arrange a blanket, a cushion, a comfortable seat, and maybe some cocoa and something to eat. Uh, that's a nice little quote. And then it says, uh, Katrina Cottrell is a little girl with big em- uh, big imagination. So when she sees a shadowy figure lurking in the subway tunnel, she thinks it's all in her head. But it's Morty, the Zorgal, and he's on a quest to find the missing Zorgals of a Zorgamazoo. Uh, Katrina and Morty adventure deep underground when they discover not just the Zorgals, who've gone missing, but griffins, ogres, sphinxes, and more, and creatures you've never even heard of before. Join them as they journey 
from the Earth to the Moon on an astonishing, rhyming adventure that's eerie, daring, and full of suspense. Now press play for it's time to commence. It sounds awesome. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm going to listen to that. Cool. All right, I've got... Uh, which which you guys want? You want uh, possible fantasy or possible science fiction? <laughs> which are you in the mood for? Possible science fiction. All right, possible science fiction. Because this has been a very fantasy-heavy, um, indeed, yeah, indeed, new arrivals podcast. I'm I'm sorry to to tell you that there's so much fantasy. Um, oh, I like this. Um, this is I, this is only possibly science fiction because it's by William Gibson, hmm. uh, a new novel called Zero History, and it's read by Robertson Dean. Eleven CDs, unabridged. Um, description. Hollis Henry worked for the global marketing magnate Hubris Big End, Big End once before. She never, meant to re- she never meant to repeat the experience, but she's broke, and Big End never feels it's beneath him to use whatever power comes his way. In this it's case, his name Hubris. Her name is Hollis Henry, and his and name is Hubertus Big End. Oh, Hubertus. I thought you said his name was Hubris Big One or whatever yeah. his name is. A big end. Yeah, it, it it almost sounds like something from Max Headroom. That's, that's it? like calling here a protagonist or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Very appropriate. Still there. like that book. Um, it's like calling not, a planet Dora. Mm-hmm. Not that she knows what the team is is up to. But not not at first. Migram. Milgram, sorry, is even more thoroughly owned by Big End. He's worth owning for his useful gift of seeming to disappear into almost any setting, and his Russian is perfectly idiomatic, so much so that he spoke Russian when, with his therapist in the secret Swiss clinic where Big End, Big End paid for him to be cured of his addiction that would have killed him. Gareth has a passion for extreme sports. Most recently, he jumped off the highest building in the world, opening his chute at the last moment. And he has a new thigh bone made of rattan, baked into bone, entirely experimental to show for it. Gareth isn't owned by Big End at all. Gareth has friends whom he can call in uh, the kinds of figures, favors that a man like Big End will, will find he needs when he goes into unexpected sideways. <laughs> in a world like ma- man, in a world man like Big End is accustomed to controlling. Uh, as when a Department of Defense contract for combat wares turns, where turns out to be the gateway drugs for arms dealers, <laughs> so shadowy that even Big End, this is just this subtlety going, and power. This is the whole novel. This is the whole novel story that you. First really, state finds himself yeah, yeah. outmaneuvered and adrift in a seriously dangerous world. Oh. <laughs> wow. This is why I don't ever bother to read the backs of books and things like that. I, I look for recommendations and and then, you know, a name recognition of the authors and things like that. Because I really hate, you know, going, oh, and this and this and this and this and this. I think I mentioned that on the last pod. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I really like William Gibson's writing. It's just I'm not it's, – it's, it's very much – I'm thinking he's very much like um, – uh, the way Elmore Leonard, I love Elmore Leonard's writing, but his novels are very hit or miss based on, you know, whether it's the right idea or not. And yeah. um, or the plot actually makes any sense. Well, you know, it, it's just the you know, great writing is not enough. It has to also have yeah. a little bit of interest. And this sounds okay, but it, it doesn't have anything really in there to pull me. So I'm gonna have to read some reviews. And yeah. a, a lot of it is about the copywriting too. You know. Um, like what's I, was it? I did I send it to you, Scott or Luke? I sent someone. Uh, somebody had posted a story about 
uh, how the backs of books are just terrible, mm-hmm. bad writing, because uh, I mean, uh, the, they're not the, I mean, by the, the author, they're written by nobody. Said- it's like the sentences, they said, okay, wrap up this story in three sentences. And then they go, okay, the thing he did this and who did this and did that, who will do this and will do the thing who is the one who will do this and who yeah. did that. Thing, right? And that's what I found before. Like the sentences just go on and on and on, especially those paranormal romance ones. It's like being pithy doesn't mean using fewer sentences. Being pithy or like being tight actually means getting across the idea of the story and it's, or like the, the – you know what the story is about, and as fewer words as possible. It's not as few sentences. Anyone can write long sentences and make only two sentences last for the entire back of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really yeah. Well, as that just goes on. I mean, I'm if you don't convey what the book is around about within like one sentence or two sentences and short sentences as well. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to be. I mean, they're not going to be interested in the book. It's like if it takes that long to sell it to me, like that description, I have no interest in reading that book now. But if you said William Gibson, you know, shadowy underworld kind of thing, science fictional elements, maybe I'd be like, yeah, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, Overselling yeah, it. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if anyone would take that risk and just write on the back, you know, cool stuff in this book, and you know, <laughs> here are the keywords that you'll find interesting, right? I mean, yeah, that's what I want. I want some keywords, but not plot spoilers. Like, I don't even want to hear like. I don't even know. I don't even want to know who the main character is when I start reading a book. I don't want to know if it's the first book in a series because if it is the first book in a series and I know who the main character is, I know that I don't need to worry about them because they'll be along next time. You know. I think it's, the only exception to that would be if it was a historical figure, right? If it was a historical figure, you know, it's it's a it's a urban fantasy starring Benjamin Franklin. Then I would say, hey, Benjamin Franklin, urban fantasy. Kind of yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. If it's if that is the unique selling point, right. that's, that's the keyword, right? Yeah. You know, but airships so is a keyword. Like, and this zombies does this. is a keyword, this right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, 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 love I triangle between vampire, uh, zombie, and werewolf. <laughs> and Benjamin so Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Why not? No, but if I said to you, if I said to you, paranormal romance set in the caveman times with Neanderthals against humans, you'd be like, oh, okay. comedy gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Get comedy. Going. It's going to be serious. This is going yeah. to be this is going to be my breakthrough into the into the fourteen year old girl market. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, Luke's going to get himself. Neanderthal, Neanderthal, zombie werewolf, caveman crossover. I'm going to call it cave paranormal cave romance. <laughs> How about? Paranormal cave zombie. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not sure. I think I think I was thinking zombies because, like, I, I I like the idea of a zombie apocalypse. But because in Manhattan had to cross the bridge and stuff like that, it sounded like he was a vampire. But then another kind of vampires with a virus were outside and he had to fight them. And I was like, well, that's good because he's not. He it's anyway. I just like the idea of interspecies. There's already two established species, and then one of them gets the virus, and I thought that would be quite interesting. That would be quite interesting. Now we were here, mentioning. Here's the fantasy that we. Hey guys, I've got to head off in a bit. So shall okay. I just do quickly run through my stuff? Yeah, yeah go for it. Um, hmm? You're going to talk about uh, something audio drama, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll just uh, let me look at the books that I've got. I just finished Starship Mutiny by right. Mike Besnick. Really, really enjoyed his previous book. The no, not the previous book. The Kieran Yarga one. That's the one that both of you said this is one of the best science fiction books ever. And I was like, sure. yeah, pretty good. Um. 
magic quite as much as that. It's a bit too, f- not so much fluffy. I don't mind fluff if it's fun fluff, but it was like not very fun fluff. Um, okay. Next up, mm-hmm. uh, I, I started it, but I was listening on a plane, and audiobooks on a plane means I fall asleep almost immediately, which is called Finch by Jeff Vandermeer. And I've not read any of his stuff before, but this comes highly recommended by quite a few people. Not quite sure what it's about. Don't know anything about it, except I did think Jeff Vandermeer was on the Starship Sofa podcast a few times, the Sofa Knots and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. Interesting to catch up with him. Yeah, I've never uh, read anything by him, and I guess he's kind of a, a weird fantasist. Or people keep calling him weird, you know, the weird fantasy. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But I don't mind. New yeah. weird yeah. But it's a book, and on the front cover, I can't actually see the it clearly, but there's a flower and a gun, and it's green, and, but it's just one of those things that popped up on um, on Audible, and it says, you might like this, and I'm like, sure, thanks. Um, <laughs> cool. But I'd, I'd also heard about it, had it recommended as well. And also, the guy who you interviewed a while ago, um, who did the, uh, what was it, the listening ear, seeing ear? Oh, George oh, um, Zarr. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that was a great interview as well, guys. That was a really, really fun discussion. I mean, he's got obviously so many stories, and it's great to have someone mm. who's like obviously just like on the this is this, this is this, this is how I did this, this is how we did that. And I really enjoyed the the uh, that he goes, oh yeah, when when you write a symphony, you write for the you write for the voice of the instrument. So when you're all like the voices and the sound effects that you've got there, I think that's a really fun, really fun take on. Mm. An audio drama that I've not really heard. And also, I just finished two days ago listening. Let me bring up that because I, I got the blog, blog here on of your website here. So it's Stephen King's Salem's Lot mm. uh, as adapted by the BBC radio drama team or whatever it was oh, yeah. from 1995. And it's really strange because I can't remember how we're talking about it. Jesse, you mentioned this, didn't you? And I was like, oh, I listened to that before. Maybe I mentioned mm-hmm. that I'd listened. Um, back when it was actually broadcast on the BBC back in 95. Um, so I'd been like 14 or 15 at the, at the time and stuff like that. So I thought, well, I'll listen to that again. And it was really, really good fun. I think it's pretty good, pretty good adaptation. I mean, I don't know the story. I've never read it, but, you know, it's a, it's a sort of small town sort of um, Dracula slash um, vampire kind of story, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite fun uh, but the funny thing is is that it was so much of a nostalgic experience for me because i was because i listened to it so many years ago like half my life ago and now i listen to it again and it brought back so many memories because of all the things that i thought and was you know what i was like then just listening to it brought back so many memories of of what i was like does that make sense oh, yeah, sure that, you know? yeah. like when you listen to it like often when i li- think about a podcast i don't only li- think about what i heard on the podcast i always can remember exactly where I was and because I travel around a lot you know there's this one I know that I listened to that one in Australia and I remember sitting where I was sitting in the room where I first heard that podcast off heard that episode of that podcast and things like that and it was really weird that normally I, I only thinking back a, f- a few years or something but it was really fun to think back 15 years into where I was when I heard this um mm-hmm. in 95 yeah uh, something you know uh you know I don't travel near as much as you of course but Audiobooks have yeah. some kind of an effect where sometimes I pass by a spot where I was listening to it, and 
I remember yep. what I was listening to when I passed by that spot, you know. Yeah, it was, Presumably but, because it was so good. Yeah, you're because I was so and, engaged, right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I of course that only happens with audio. I can't remember where I was when I read books because you're you're looking Your at the book. Eyes are focused at the page, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas with audio you can do other things as well. And it's actually quite funny that this was I know it's a bit weird to say this, but like that was at the time when, you know, you sort of like when you're around about fourteen, fifteen, you're sort of noticing girls for the first time. Or maybe not for the first time, but you're sort of getting your opinions about girls and what it's like to uh to uh, seduce a girl or something like that. That's what you're all interested in. And it was really funny that in this book uh, or the, in this audio drama, there's this point where the main uh, main character Ben or something like that is with a girl, and they're like chatting, and then she's like, "Now's the point when you're meant to kiss me," and he's like, "Oh, okay." And then a bit later, she's like, "Ben, will you make love to me?" And he's like, "Do you want me to?" And she's like, "Yes." And I was like, what? and of course, this was one of those things that it, I listened to it at the right time in my life. That that's when I thought that that's the way that. Um, seducing girls is meant to go like that you're meant to just be awesome enough for them to say you're meant to kiss me now and you're like okay <laughs> or they're gonna ask you to have sex with them um so so it was a bit weird that i didn't never never really thought about that but it's it's a bit strange that this has been that was one of those sort of like formative experiences yeah, you were saying it uh, yeah. changed your life i guess that's what you meant well, it wasn't changed my life but now looking back i can actually see that the way not the way that i view women but the way that i would view one of those sort of like fantasy perfect romances would be for someone just to say oh kiss me now or i want you to make love to me uh, which which actually has happened to me in uh, over the last 15 years where you know so it's cool in some ways but mm-hmm. it was one of those things that that was one of those like you know strange well you know when you're like 14 or 15 you, you can be i guess yeah. influenced in different ways like that but it's really strange that it comes from um a stephen king audio drama <laughs> uh, and but i didn't realize it until i listened to it again but but i knew that i mean those are the parts of the i mean there's lots of different parts of the audio drama that i remembered from 15 years ago but the few that stand out to me was you know those were two of the things that i knew they were coming up and i was like wow this has actually obviously affected me more than i thought mm. but i hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it again jesse when you actually said or however i can't remember how it came up in the conversation but there it was so anyway there's a I little think I bit was of saying uh, you know you, you should try some audio drama um like no, I, I, we're, actually, I, I think we're more talking about stephen king and i okay. and we mentioned salem's lot and i said oh i know that i've only heard the audio drama of that i can't remember but uh well and i think i mentioned it was on the site somewhere yeah 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 but that's where i got it from so the whole thing is here and if you want to uh if you're 14 year old and you're listening to this <laughs> no i don't know uh, i'm just saying there's maybe a little maybe personal there a bit of personal stuff but um i, I just think it's funny well, that it, i think it what, yeah. these things out mm-hmm. what you should ask next next time uh a woman says um make love to me luke I think you yeah. should say, um, uh, "Have you read anything Stephen King?" Because if <laughs> if, if that's the case, well, then that could, perhaps you know that could be coming Yeah. Anyway, I was going to maybe write about. Uh, you know, I was going to mention this on a podcast, but the, this is what actually why Jesse said, "Oh, you got to come on tomorrow and stuff like that." Because I said I don't really have anything to say about anything, you know, because all these new releases that come in, I didn't, you know, I don't recognize any of the names, you know, I don't, I know bits and pieces. But I was going to mention. I was going to just chat to Jesse about this last night, and he says, "No, no, save it for the podcast tomorrow." So uh-huh. there you Sounds go. Good. Not anything really profound, but you know, that one of those is. things where you meant you meant to know yourself, you know. And mm-hmm. I think knowing what your early influences are in regards to perfect romantic situations between yourself and fantasy women. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
for sure. All right, that's great, Luke. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks a million. Anyway, Luke. I know you. I, I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna be around. You can guys can keep chatting. I'll, I'll drop out when I when I need to. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Sounds good. Uh, I've got Ranger's Apprentice, book eight in uh, a series called uh, The Kings of Clone Mel, which I've never heard of this series. But it's a, that's a eight. YA series. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? YA is one of my favorite genre, genres now. Yeah. It really um, is something else. Genre. Yep. Is YA a genre, is it? It is. Well, I don't know, I don't know why YA is a genre. <laughs> YA is a class, you know, the... Yeah, because in YA you can have science fiction or fantasy or whatever. Um, there's a, yeah. a science fiction book coming out that people are kind of buzzing about called "I Am Number Four. Have you heard of that one yet? No, no. It's about apparently it's about uh, some aliens that were placed throughout uh, humanity, kind of spread throughout humanity, and there's nine of them or something, and even the aliens don't know that they are them. And, uh, oh, sounds and, like Battlestar Galactica or something. Yeah, and then when they hit uh, puberty, they <laughs> realize who they are. And, they were uh, seven. Yeah, and uh, the the book it's called "I Am Number Four. So there's some science fiction, but science fiction is actually kind of rare. Mostly, in mostly YA. In YA, yeah. Well, uh, all Heinlein sold YA. So well, I'm talking about current stuff. It's that's uh, true. There's not a lot of science fiction being written. That's possibly true. Yeah, I, uh, I think um, uh, Hunger Games is YA. Yeah, it's uh, and YA science and science fiction. Yep, sure is. Uh, all right. Uh, so this is number eight in a series. It's ten CDs unabridged, read by John Keating, uh, who was on the John Adams HBO miniseries. Um, description: When mankind seeks protection from the world, many dangers. Uh, they put their faith in warriors, kings, gods, and even money. In the neighboring kingdom of Clonmel, a mysterious cult has sprung up, promising defense against lawless marauders in exchange for people's riches. Their sermons are attracting audiences from miles around, but there's a dark side to the seemingly charitable group, prompting Halt, Will, and Horace to investigate. What the trio uncovers could threaten the safety not only of Clonmel, but their homeland of Arulan as well. In this gripping installment of the new series that has sold more than 2 million copies, garnered worldwide acclaim, secrets will be revealed, and battles to the death will be waged. And this is only the beginning. Book 8 is only the beginning? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yep. Uh, I missed one brilliance, and oh. this is maybe Luke-worthy. Let's see. This Immortal by Roger Zelazny. Oh, yeah. Performed by Victor Bevine. Bevine? Bevine. Uh, very slim. Six CDs. And six and a half hours. A very short description on the back. Conrad Nomikos has a long, rich personal history that he'd rather not talk about. And as, that's probably why it's so short on the back. And as an arts commissioner, he's been given a job he'd rather not do, escorting an alien grandee on a guided tour of the shattered remains of Earth. It's not something he relishes, especially since it's apparent that this places him at the center of a high-level intrigue that has some bearing on the future of Earth itself. But Conrad is a very special guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably immortal. That's probably... Mm -hmm. That's his specialness. Yeah, I don't don't have real strong memories of that book, but I know I've read it. Um, And Call Me Conrad... 1966, it's old. Yeah, and it... Um, it tied Dune for the Hugo Award for wow. best novel. 
Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Because I do believe Dune is one of the greatest novels ever written. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I'd, uh, I know that I've And it's, 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 uh, it's, it's quality gets diminished as every new book in the series gets published. <laughs> I still am uh, on the cusp of reading uh, Children of Dune. That's the next one. On the cusp. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm permanently on the cusp. Because I like I, Dune Messiah, but we've been through that. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 yeah, we've been through it many times. So read Children of Dune and see what your opinion goes to. Yep, yep. Um, I've got two books identical in cover except for one digit. Hmm. Uh, eight CDs versus five CDs, abridged versus unabridged. John Sanford, uh, Bad Blood. This looks like a mm. crime novel. Uh, it's described as a Virgil Flowers novel, so that must be a series. And the descriptions look identical. The reader is identical, Eric Conger. Uh, one is ten hours, one is six hours. So, um, I'll read the unabridged version. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised that they're still doing a bridge, but they are. It is kind of surprising, isn't it? But uh, there's there must be some some market, you know, that you know maybe they have some kind of store that still sells, you know, in a certain thickness at the checkout counter or something. Yeah, I don't especially know. for you know the difference between five and eight CDs. That just seems it's not uh, it's not very significant. I mean, the yeah. thickness uh, it's uh, it's not twice as thick, right? Uh-huh. The box is twice as thick, but the the weight is not. Twice as heavy. Um, A victim finds himself in in over his head, and so does Virgil Flowers in this electrifying new thriller from the number one New York Times bestselling author. Uh, I'll just read the first paragraph here. One Sunday in late fall in southern Minnesota, a farmer brings a load of soybeans to a local grain elevator, and a young man hits him on the head with a t-ball bat, drops him into the grain bin, waits until he's sure he's dead. If the blow doesn't kill him, there's something... The, the smothering grain surely will, and then calls the sheriff to report the accident. I've not read any John Sanford, but I've heard the name. Yeah, I've heard the name too, um, but no, I haven't read any of them. Um, bad Blood. Hmm. This might be the kind of book where you start listening and you you go through and it's, you know, a new guy you're addicted yeah. to. I don't know. Right. Yeah, and if you like it, you keep going. If not, you don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder where in the series this falls, probably somewhere in the middle, but uh, probably not one of those ones where you, it's a fantasy and you have to know all the backstory, right? Right, right. Have I mentioned James Lee Burke before? Yep, you have. Okay. Um, we talked about a couple of his, he's a southern sort of crime writer, yeah, right? he's a tremendous writer, and his his books are excellent. A couple movies out of his stuff as well, I think. Um, yeah, Heaven's Prisoners. And, electric, uh, uh, yeah, it, mist. It, electric mist, right? Um, Stuart Woods, another guy I've I've seen everywhere and not read any of. Um, this is nice. It's uh, unabridged. See seven CDs read by Michael Kramer, who um, is one of my favorite narrators, and that's kind of surprising because um, I really only like him for one series. Um, he did the. Uh, the Parker books, the Richard Stark books for Books on Tape years ago. Mm-hmm. And I really haven't heard much of his stuff. He, he did some Westlake books as well, and I didn't think he was that good in the Westlakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But playing, playing Parker, he was uh, he was very tough and scary. <laughs> um, uh, so in this one, it's called Santa Fe Edge. It's got a big knife on the cover. Um, seven CDs, unabridged. 
Let's see. Mm-hmm. If you run into trouble in Santa Fe, Ed Eagle is the man to see. Ed Eagle, the seven, six foot seven, take no prisoner Santa Fe attorney, is no stranger to murder, corruption, or organized wait, wait. crime. Wait, wait, sorry, I'll put in here. But his name is Ed Eagle. Ed Eagle. You know, American Eddie is, Eagle is, yes. is, a, is a British um, ski jumper mm-hmm. who was absolutely terrible, but he was the only British person in the Olympic game, the Winter Olympic Games, for like years or two, two Olympics <laughs> or something. Like that. And oh, he was wow. a terrible. Terrible, terrible ski jumper with a big chin. Anyway, look him up. I just find it yep. funny that someone's actually chosen Ed Eagle as the name of their character. Huh. When well, that is actually a yeah. comedy ski jumper. He's pretty famous in Canada, Eddie the Eagle as well. Um, oh, is he? At the Eddie 1988 made... Olympics, right? That's yeah, the 88 Olympics. Yeah, so. Oh. Um, yes, right. famous for being... Oh, that was in Calgary, wasn't it? Yeah, so maybe that's... that's... Yeah. But I guess maybe they've forgotten in the States. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Santa Fe. Mm. Um, his, uh, okay. So both North and South. Sorry, carry on. His home in Santa Fe, a picturesque desert town which where the wealthy enjoy the good life, seems uh, like a welcome retreat from the grit and grime of the big cities. But looks can be deceiving, and trouble has a way of finding it. Um, it says golfers. Oh, here, I'm just going to do the keywords for Luke, okay? Puzzling murder. Uh, hacienda, <laughs> sex, <laughs> money, false identity, <laughs> danger, lurking, uh, implacable enemy, seamy prisons, movie sets, glamorous LA, lush and exclusive resorts, team of private detectives. <laughs> I like I like keywords much better than long sentences which Me too. I got. I think. There I think go. the keywords, I think that's the way you got to do it from now on. That's not All right. bad, uh, yeah. All right. That's a good idea. I've got one left. I've got right. one left. Okay, let's, okay just you. do the keywords. Don't tell us what the book is. Don't tell us who wrote it. Don't just tell us the length or anything about it. Just do the keywords. Just do the keywords. Go for it. All right. Um, uh, family. Vegetarian. Yeah. Car crash. Mm. <laughs> not so good yeah. so far. Um, human. Not human. Uh, oh. okay. Zombie. Fly by nights, memories, mystery, uh, mysterious, maggot infested corpse, mm. uh, uh, dark places, uh, zombie gangs, uh, creatures <laughs> flared up, uh, brink of death, uh, flesh off her bones. <laughs> Look, this is great because I know that I'm not going to read this. But if I was into this, that's exactly are you you're just going to Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. There we go. That that is uh, a book, and you can tell a lot from it, can't you? Yeah, you sure yeah. Can. I mean, that's all, it's just, just the nouns from the back of the book. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah, basically. The... Uh, not always, but mostly nouns. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to have to give some details for just my own recall. Yes, of course. No, just saying, but just wondering if we could judge the book and if we would actually read it i, I wouldn't yeah. read it but it does sound ah, good let me not, ask you, let well. me ask you this is this written by a male or a female uh male luke luke says male scott, i'm saying female you're right scott it's female uh, okay oh i wasn't wait. sure yes, yes yes joan francis turner yes female okay because i'm think i was thinking zombies is more male than female uh, female is more sort of vampire and werewolf as uh, I agree, but I think I think zombies are you know sort of passing the uh, passing the gender barrier. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, there's a. I want to read the description of the author, but I guess we don't need that, do we? Uh, Dust, read by Eva Amory. The author is Joan Francis Turner, and it's eight CDs unabridged. It's got a cover of um, a leaf, a green leaf that's being eaten away. I guess that's... Uh, yeah, vegetarian zombie, yeah. I like that. Right. <laughs> I'm, guessing, I'm guessing it's vegetarian zombie, because those are the things that... <laughs> Thoughtful, poignant, and frightening, Laurel K. Hamilton says. Mm. Yep. Interesting. If your, name ends, if your name ends in Hamilton, you're a good author. I don't know. This might be might be a really good idea. Uh, maybe I should read the back of Stranger Tides and see if that gives us any any. You know, would it be as good as just reading the description? I know. I like. The, I like the, the. I think the description on Stranger Tides was okay, but it was these earlier paranormal romances which just went on and on and on and on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, I wonder. Let me just see if I've got a famous one and see if you guys can tell which. Which book it is? Uh, let's see if I can find a famous audiobook, famous book, and then uh, yeah, I'll just do keywords, and you probably tell what the book is. Okay. All righty. Uh, you should both be able to know this one, I would guess. All right. Should be able to know it. Okay, that's. <laughs> I, think, I think so. Okay, go for it. Be able to. What's wrong with that grammar? Come on. <laughs> All right, you ready? Ready. Overlord. What's that? Uh, sorry, I missed the in. <laughs> Scott got it in one. Overlord. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear it because it broke up at that second. Oh man, I that. <sighs> that was easy. Awesome. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another one. Uh, you did just pick like one of the best known <laughs> science fiction. Books, like. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and make it as hard as I can, but still not cheating. Okay. 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 Go for it. Uh, machinery, underground, generations. Um, oh, I'd say the time machine just from those. Because you're right. Uh, <laughs> oh, how about that? Good job. Woo-hoo. Wow! <laughs> I got it. I got it, I got it with machinery. When, as soon as you said machinery, I was thinking this is old because nowadays people don't talk about machinery in science fiction. It's more technology or yeah, something yeah. like that. So as soon as you said machinery, I'm thinking this is very, very old science fiction. All right. um, so I pretty much got it on the first word, Boy, this, too. This is, uh, <laughs> this is like playing with the experts here. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to grab three more, and then we'll see who's the, the grand winner of all of these. It has to, it have to be books I think you both read. Okay, well, give it a go, then. Uh... Oh, boy. Finding ones you both read. That's interesting. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter if I've not read it. I might know it anyway. Yeah. That's possible. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's start with this one. All right. Millennium. That's not much. Uh, oh, I can't use that one. That would be a dead giveaway. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Let me, ju- let me just say, I'm going to say... Um, I'm going to say... who William Gibson's... What is it called? The His, his famous one. The... the uh, Oh, Neuromancer. Neuromancer. No. Yeah, I'm thinking Neuromancer. Uh, Was it? No, no, no. Uh, okay. Superiors, uh, Circumstances, Mysterious Circumstances, Spacers, Robotic Companions. Um, Isaac Asimov. Caves partnership. Caves of you Steel. You got it. Yeah. Caves of Steel. Pretty good. All Caves right. of Steel. Uh, play along with me on this one. 
Here we go. Journey. Bar of Soap. Kip wait, wait, wait. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. No. Soda Jerk. Oh, uh, uh, Have Space Will Travel. You got it. Oh, okay. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, here's another one. Last one. All uh, right, here we go. Um, futuristic Gadgetry. <laughs> Spike-haired Courier. Illicit stop, stop. Data. Uh, um, Snow Crash. No, not Snow Crash. Fuck it. That's what, yeah, I, was gonna say. That's what I was going to say. Snow Crash. That was the word Bird. I was looking for. Uh, i got to keep but going. But the answer is no? No. Uh, oh. Pair of... Pair of... Oh my, that's too too Shit. much. Uh, you were going to say too much there, weren't you? I was going to say too much there. Uh, Rydell, there, there's a proper noun for you. Um, pocket, gadget, <laughs> M. This is not a great back. I think that's the problem. Hmm. Sophisticated network, scenario, types of data. Well, is this new, Amanda? It's virtual light. Virtual light. <laughs> I don't know. It, don't well, know it was, it was Gibson. Oh. You should give him points for getting Gibson. It's Gibson. It's Gibson. <laughs> William Gibson's virtual light. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I've ever heard of it. I mean, I've, I mean, I've seen it, but I've never read it. Okay, yeah. so I was, I I was going to say uh, I was going to say virtual light glasses, and that would have kind of given it away. So, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you well, that, should that, read that virtual light equal. if you're going to read another uh, Gibson, because uh, you were talking about. Um, about uh, what's that stuff called? You know, the augmented reality, and that this is basically yeah. the first really good augmented reality book. Oh, okay, that's really mm-hmm. old. It's uh, 1993. Yeah, yeah. So Scott and I were still on two each. So you've got to do a do a, do a tiebreaker then. I get All a right. tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah, because we both got two each. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, he got an easy one with Overlords. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they, you know, it doesn't necessarily... I mean, it is the first thing I would think of, too, but... Uh, all right. Find one more. Try and find something a little bit different. Scott, I don't mind losing, by the way. <laughs> no, me It just means I'm less of a nerd. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's see. Something really... Spiky head courier could have been Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, courier is basically. You know what? That's like a whole subgenre then. The spiky yeah, yeah, yeah. courier novel. Oh, yeah, spiky head data courier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. This one, I think we're good for. Maybe, maybe not. Might be biased. All right. It is degenerate. Credulous. Look at the French. Sorry. Credulous. Second word. Credulous. Credulous. Uh, infinitely more frightening. Uh, pragmatist, cynic. Uh, demonic incursion. Demonic I'm not getting this. Uh, it's a little harder, isn't it? Religious oh, wait a fervor. Second. The um, the uh, Peter F. Hamilton's series. <laughs> Wrong genre. Oh, okay. Antisocial. Is it, uh, is it Lovecraft? Uh, no. Okay. Um, petty difficult. gods. What gods? Hero. Petty gods. American petty gods. American gods, American 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 gods yeah. No, nope. no. Nope. Um, That's a good uh, Everything and nothing. Decidedly oh, it, irritated. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. Is it Pratchett? Nope. Oh. Um, Tom Holt. Let's 
Borders, Empire. We're not going to get this. Yeah, yeah, this is a tough one. If we haven't got it already. <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think I know why. Because it's fantasy. It's not science fiction. Is it Lord of the Rings? Oh, <laughs> it's The Steel Remains. The Steel Remains. Uh. Really? Yeah. I read that, but we both read that, didn't we? Single hero, legend and twisted degenerate, <clears throat> makes a living from telling credulous travelers of his exploits in the yeah, war. Yeah, I know the fact. Yeah, I, I know the story. So. I, I guess I could have used lizards. That that would have helped. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... It, it's it, I think it's, it's not a particularly standout, memorable book. I mean, it's all right, but it's well, not like... It, it's, it's recent not, and it's something... Not child then. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was the first one. Come on. Okay, well, let's just call it a tie then, oh, because right. that's that, Jesse. You you managed to beat us more times than we got it. So uh, <laughs> I, I'd like a, a chance to participate in this game too at some point. So. Okay, All but right. you're, good with, you're good with the keywords. You're good with picking up the nouns because you do that with the show notes, don't you? So yes, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not all. It's all not all nouns. Sometimes it's idioms and phrases and stuff. But um, okay, yeah. It's, well, I really um, have to go. I, I like, I, yeah, I like the idea of picking those out rather than reading the backs. Yeah. <laughs> Because well, before, when you were reading the backs of these paranormal, I was just drifting away because it all just flows into one. Blah, 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 girl, blah, 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 <laughs> vampire, blah, 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 death on the on the edge of death, blah, 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 romance, blah. You Drop know, it's, that's blood, what yeah. I'm hearing anyway, so. Yep, yep. It's always, it's always, Mary, uh, Mary thingy is a young half thingy. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. know, I'm just doing the other side bits. I'm just doing the other. I wonder if there's a, uh, a computer, you know, a website where you type in five or six of those nouns and you get, like, the description. Yeah, you just type in the keywords and, the, and it spits out a back of a book cover. Yeah, but, yeah a copy editor. A, a character name, a character name and some keywords and it'll do. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.